0: I want to uh, focus on a, an op-ed that was published in the Hamilton Spectator over the weekend. The author, uh, you know, Laura Babcock, is the president of Power Group Communications. She's been a guest on this show many, many times, uh, talking about the uh, the state of Hamilton politics and uh, the folks that are elected to a public office uh, that are responsible for that state, uh, whatever that might be. Anyway, it's a, uh, a hard-hitting and uh, very candid piece about this, which has drawn an awful lot of reaction, uh, both positive and negative, uh, from some folks, and I wanted to bring Laura Babcock on to talk talk about uh, the idea for this and uh, the the motivation behind it and, of course, the, the impact that it's had. Uh, Laura Babcock, welcome back to the program. Good to have you with us today.
1: Thanks, Bill. I'm coming to you from Manitoba this time.
0: <laughs> I was going to ask you, now, for those who have not been following Laura on social media, you have taken uh, the Prime Minister's word at, at, at to heart and simply said it's time to explore Canada this summer. And uh, you and the family have just packed yourselves into an RV and you are driving right across Canada. Now you're on your way back towards Ontario now, are you?
1: We are, and it was actually this trip we called Hoser Trek that inspired the op-ed, because I found myself awake in the middle of the night uh, after we'd spent a day in Vancouver, and I was just compelled to share with Hamilton what we had experienced on the road. We saw in live, you know, day after day, live experience, just how much other communities were doing around things like infrastructure and transit and tourism. And these are communities that are also going through COVID that are experiencing many of the same challenges that we have, and yet they seem to be doing so much better than Hamilton. And so, Bill, I just thought, you know what, I I have to share this because I think sometimes we forget. Um, You know, we listen to our local issues, we get caught up in the local toxic politics, And we don't realize the real cost of that, of that political culture, of of some of their decision-making around the council table. It's resulted in our city being far behind others, and and that's really hard to witness. So I wanted to share that, and the op-ed got a ton of response, mostly positive, but as you mentioned, there was some pushback, including from the mayor, who sent out a rapid response Uh, text or or Facebook message to me on a different Facebook page that someone alerted me to on Saturday night. So I'm glad that people are reading it, and I hope we really understand the cost of our politics to Hamilton.
0: Well, the, the mayor's response, uh, for those that did not see it, says, uh, just because most on council don't see things the way that you do does not make it toxic. We can disagree without being disagreeable, and that is pretty much how things are. Hamilton is no different than any other community where great things happen and great progress is being made as well as having to deal with challenging issues, and we do not shy away from the challenges. Uh, I might take exception to the last comment there, but... Uh, <laughs> just based on on the history uh... but the, that that's the sort of reaction that we've got on this now you referenced a couple of things lori in the letter uh, more than a couple that uh, i wanted to focus on and, and there are things that have happened in this community uh... one had to do with uh, the the idiots that, that tried to terrorize uh... council maureen wilson's house late one night uh... that was only a week or two ago uh... we've talked about a couple of the other issues that have had on and you mentioned some of the issues that, that i think have caused a great deal of frustration and anger with the population uh... sewer gate the red hill and so many other other things like this uh but to put this in context and i think you just touched on it a second ago sometimes you got you have to get outside uh, of the forest to be able to see what's going on uh and you know if if you're inundated with this and um, and living with this around you all the time you kind of take this as the normal i guess it's like this in every city and you need to get outside you need to see what other things are doing what other people are doing what other cities are doing to get perspective on that And i guess this trip gave you that
1: well it absolutely did and uh So on the attack on Maureen Wilson's house, I mean, in the middle of the night, she was awoken and her kids were awoken in fear by people in pickup trucks throwing things at her house, presumably because they didn't like the way she voted in terms of dealing with encampments. I mean, that's trying to intimidate an elected official, scaring her family at her home in the middle of the night because of a council vote in a democracy. That's pretty outrageous. And there was actually... um, People from federal and provincial politics who immediately condemned what happened. But our mayor, it took more than 24 hours and a human cry from the public for him to weigh in. Which is one of the things, Bill, that has got people, I think, so upset. Is that it wasn't just that my op-ed was pointing out how far Hamilton has fallen behind other cities. And there's lots of examples I put in the op-ed. But it's the fact that the mayor was able to respond to me, albeit indirectly on somebody else's page, within hours but he couldn't bring himself to respond and defend his colleague. Uh, And so that, I mean, the juxtaposition between his rapid response to me, some on some other page compared to his slow response on Sewergate, his slow response with what happened to counselor Wilson and this not wanting to speak directly to homeless advocates like Sarah Jama. I mean, and not responding to the attack on pride uh, that happened a few years ago at the picnic. I mean, there are so many examples where the the mayor's leadership in particular in this case, uh, in terms of communication, but even councils' lack of leadership and lack of ability to make decisions has really pushed our community behind. It's not normal to not have a mayor respond to something like what happened to Maureen Wilson. It's not normal for a council to dump or to have 24 million liters of mixed sewage dump into a World Biosphere Reserve and then decide to not share the extent of that spill with their community like they did with sewer gates. that's not normal. And so when you come outside of Hamilton, not only do you see how not normal, the way they act politically, which I think is quite toxic, the way they deal with even each other, but you realize, hey, wait a sec, all this bickering, all this dithering, all this fighting, all of this whatever it is, keeps us back i mean lrt alone took us over a decade other cities have had that for a while they're past that they're on to bigger and better things so even though we've got a waterfront coming up on board and we've got lrt how many years does that take us to get when other cities are way past that so this has a cost bill and we really need to see it
0: you know your points about how they cooperate and interact with each other i think is worth exploring uh, and to that point, uh, from, you know, I think everybody's aware of what happened to Councilor Wilson. You just described it very accurately. A couple of years ago, Laura, the very same thing happened to the mayor. I mean, his his neighborhood and his house were invaded by a bunch of, I think, idiots uh, that were trying to make a point and, and invading that and, and terrorizing people in that neighborhood. Uh, and I didn't hear too many other people on city council come to the defense. I had the mayor on the mo- mere moments after that happened, and we explained exactly what went on. Uh, there doesn't seem to be any sense of righteousness or not, maybe even more to the and maybe more troubling a whole lot of people on council that are willing to stand up and take a stand and say i don't care if you think i'm right or wrong i think i'm right and this was wrong uh everybody seems to want to hide behind the rock here when something controversial comes up
1: well, i'm glad you mentioned that because you would book me on your show immediately after the mayor spoke that morning yeah, on a different did. topic and it was american politics and i asked you if i could address and condemn that, that happened at his house, that people knocked on the front door, scared his family. So we should condemn. I mean, We should condemn actions that are violent in nature or actions where we have people going to people's homes, elected officials' homes. That's not how you do it in a democracy, and we shouldn't do it that way. They set a tone around that council table that is... Toxic. We can all watch them. I think during COVID, Hamiltonians on the live stream had an opportunity to really see this council in action and how the old guard councilors especially treat the new councilors. I think it's just disp- it's despicable. Sorry, <laughs> I'm, I'm angry, Bill, because we have years now of evidence of the rifted council how they don't respect each other there's a toxic tone no matter what the mayor said to me on Saturday night on that other Facebook page you know the fact that 37,000 impressions have been made on my Twitter just by posting his response and I can tell you none of them have been positive the comments I've seen back there's been thousands of direct engagements with that People are sick of it. They're tired of the excuses. They're tired of the platitudes. They're tired of the toxicity. And when you take that and you look at it from a distance, you realize, why do we accept it? Why do we have our politics that are so based? And what is the cost? I mean, Why don't we have restaurants at Sam Lawrence Park that overlook our beautiful vista? Any other city would have something like that. It's a natural asset. Why don't we have an inclined little railroad that goes up and down Quebec City's uh, cliff like we could have on our escarpment? Why don't we have a waterfront development underneath the Skyway Bridge like Granville Island in Vancouver? It's not rocket science. They worked with the local First Nations. We could do that. Why aren't we doing these things? Because council can't function. Whatever we have going around that council table, whatever the relationships or how long they've been there, something has to change. And when you get outside of the city, you realize the cost. And you think, wow, you know, as, as when we ran into those people on the Vancouver Skytrain, a project that Hamilton turned down decades ago, we yeah. had some McMaster students, and we were like, you know, oh, Hamilton, when are you ever going to catch up? I'm afraid we're not going to if we keep having the same leaders in those chairs.
0: The problem here, and you and I have had this discussion, I've had this discussion with civic leaders for, for many years, and this goes back generations. Is it, there's an attitude here uh, on city council, that, and it doesn't really necessarily sometimes matter even who's being elected. In uh, we seem to elect 16 mayors here, uh, and <laughs> you know th- this person's the the mayor of Ward Six. The one's the mayor of Ward 14, uh, and they're they're so inundated with information from people in their constituency that that's their first priority. And and every one of these projects that you've mentioned, whether it's in Regina or Vancouver or Winnipeg, a great city. I've been to Winnipeg over the last couple of years. Incredible the transformation transformation. transformation they've made there it's because people had vision and said look at i I understand this is important and and what goes on in my ward is important but what happens to the city is even more important because if the city improves every ward improves too and and i don't know that too many people on council have have that vision
1: well you're absolutely right they've become myopic some of them have been there for literally decades Uh, and you have to think about that who in a job could sit the same job stagnant for decades and actually bring something really vibrant to the table A very few people could ever do that CEOs don't even hang around that long because they know that they couldn't possibly bring the kind of value that the job deserves so we have these people staying in there as lifers focusing myopically on their wards so they can get reelected and it's at the expense of the bigger city there is a lack of vision and beyond the lack of vision maybe they could take vision from their constituents bill I'm sure in some of these other towns constituents helped craft these these bold visions and action but they are de- Offensive and fearful. I mean, the fact that the mayor took upon himself to to tweet or to post something to me on some other Facebook page uh, on a Saturday night defensive and full of platitudes with, with, you know, that whole thing about they don't shy away from challenges is absolute nonsense, and we all know it. Why why can't they listen to critique? Why can't they take any ideas from citizens? They they don't respond to survey results. They, They act as though 2,000 people sending a letter or filling out a survey is inconsequential if it doesn't line up with their particular view. We lack the kind of leadership that we should have in a democracy. I don't expect perfect But I expect the mayor and others to be able to listen to criticism. I got a tweet yesterday from the mayor of Burlington. We were referencing another situation. And she included in the tweet thanking me for my engagement in Hamilton. I mean... I don't need to be thanked, Bill, but it sure is nice to see a mayor of a city appreciate engagement and critique, appreciate the fact that citizens can contribute to making a city better. And in Hamilton, I really fear that the council or many of them have been there too long and they just don't have the fresh ideas that our city deserves.
0: And I, we've had this argument about, about term limits and a whole bunch of other things that, that some people look as, as solutions or part of the solution anyway. And And there's an argument to be made that I don't care if somebody's been there for 10 months or 10 years or 20 years if they're contributing. If they're bringing fresh ideas, if they're bringing vision and perspective, uh, I, I you know keep them on council as long as you possibly can. The problem is, is I'm not seeing a whole lot of that uh, from from not just the long-termers, but even from some of the other folks. I mean, you've got to have some sense of let's you know what can we do to make this city better. And the LRT issue, by the way, that you talked about, uh, you know, let's be candid about this. That that's that issue hasn't been resolved yet. Uh, city council still very much has it within their purview to either move forward on this or kill this. Uh, you know, in, in the next couple of weeks, with a couple of these reports come forward, uh, they they drag this out and drag this out, and I understand they're always going to say, well, it's 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 external factors that are involved in this. No, it's not. No, it's not. Uh, you know, the work that needs to be done in downtown. And it looks like, as you mentioned in your letter, that uh, there's some positive steps coming vis-a-vis arena and, and convention center. But that was that was not the city council that did that. That was private sector people stepping forward and said, you know what, somebody's got to move the ball, and it's going to be us. Uh, and council goes along for the ride, and of course it's going to be in all their brochures next year during the election. But it was not driven by politicians. Uh, and they, maybe not all the time it doesn't have to be, but there should be some leadership there about some of these issues.
1: Well, we even saw around the issue of homelessness, I believe it was in Waterdown, um, where a councillor referenced the homeless problem and talked about private industry being part of the solution. What happened to health and housing? Why are we putting all the money, our tax dollars, into that? Because if you keep farming things out, Bill, to the private sector... It's less work for council. They get to take the victory laps. They get to stand in the photo walks. You know, with LRT, I'm sure there'll be a lot of photo whopping going on. But I looked at private industry, Leon in particular, doing the lion's share of the lift on that. And you, you just mentioned the convention center project. Who's doing the lift on that? Who's raising up the restaurant scene in town? It's certainly the private restaurant owners that I've watched doing a tremendous amount of work, even working with the city and pushing the city forward. There are some great city staff at the city who are truncated and put down by councils inability to either act because progress takes a lot of work uh, or their fear or their constituents' uh, concerns where they say, you know what, I don't want to anger this person by investing in this bigger idea for the city, so I'm not going to do it. Whatever the calculus is that's going on with our councillors, the facts are the facts. And I think that must be why of all the op-eds I've written in the last year, the mayor reached out uh, indirectly to sort of challenge this one. It's because it's a direct comparison with real on-the-ground facts. You can leave the city and see other places doing better, and you have to ask why. What is it that they're doing that our council and this leadership that's been there a long time seems incapable of doing? And I'm getting sick of the excuses, Bill, because somehow other cities have figured out a way around economic factors and pandemic factors and all the other things, and they don't have the natural assets Hamilton has with our location and our topography. There are no more excuses.
0: It's uh, something worth reading. If you didn't pick it up, I think it's still online anyway. The High Cost of Hamilton's Toxic Politics, revealed by Laura Babcock. Uh, Laura, safe trip back to Ontario, and uh, (laughs) I know the the reaction to this will continue, certainly. And listen, we've known each other for a long, long time. And I know the reason for writing this, there's a lot of passion in this, but it's also to motivate discussion, which is something that has to happen on a more regular basis, and hopefully uh, not just light a fire under elected officials, but some of the people that vote for them, too, to maybe have a look at perspectives of what's going on here, too, because uh, there is a provincial election coming up in the not-too-distant future, too. Thanks, as always, for this, Laura. Thank you, Bill. Laura Babcock, president of Power Group and the author of uh, that op-ed piece. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.